this article in, in the newsletter talking about how crypto winter may be here again, but blockchain and digital asset innovation are quietly thriving in the summer heat, which has been killing me. Johnny, bring, bring Drew on so we can, I can launch my air conditioner. Thanks, James. And, and Drew, w- welcome to Digibyte Show. God, I feel about a number today. I've got two Americans from across the pond um, on the Digibyte Show. Uh, Drew, before we get into your article, it'd be great just get a bit of background about yourself and about Count Digital and, and, and what you're doing in this space. Johnny, thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, now you're outnumbered with uh, us across the pond. I'll try not to say any of the uh, any of the American phrases that the uh, the, the British don't seem to like. Um, Absolutely, aluminum in particular. I just don't get that. It's aluminium. The lift and the loo. Um, I can't even anyway. say it the way he says it. It's not even a thing to me. It's aluminum. <laughs> okay, go exactly. for it. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, very excited to be on the podcast, and and really appreciate the opportunity to write that piece especially with your, your amazing distribution. Um, so I started my career at JP Morgan um, on the derivatives desks. Before that, I, I went to school at Yale studying physics. Um, and I had been in derivatives my whole career. Prior to Cowan Digital, I was running the derivatives team at Cowan. So that was equity options, ETFs, and risk arb. And really had a, a passion for crypto. I, I bought my first Bitcoin back when it was $100 and uh, you know, wrote a check to one of my friends and he gave me the secret key. And then I forgot about it. And you know, I was one of the people scrambling in 2017 to, to find my secret key and figure out how to get it into a wallet as Bitcoin rallied into you know, the thousands and 10,000. Um, and from there, uh, in, in 2020, I had been pushing my, my boss and the CEO of Cowan to get into digital and to start trading Bitcoin options. And Cowan's really an, an entrepreneurial place. We were early in, in biotech in the early 2000s, have been a leader in SPACs and um, cannabis and really you know, areas that, that take a coming together of many groups, including compliance and legal and, and tech and sales um, to be able to do that type of work and and digital really fits into this category of, of an area where I would say our, our our competitors you know the top ten or twenty investment banks have not been in the space so we we formed the Cowan Digital Working Group in 2020 um, that organically and quickly grew to 40 or 50 people at Cowan spanning all of, all of the areas I spoke about if you fast forward to today um, the head of trading at Derivatives came over with me as my partner Eric Rose we're live trading 15 tokens that list should expand to 30 or 40 by the end of the summer. Um, we've made probably a, a dozen hires, mostly in the crypto native space from, from places like Coinbase and Paxos and blockchain.com. And I think we're really the, the only investment bank with a real crypto effort. We Cowan Digital is a separate company outside of the broker dealer, um, still largely under the Cowan umbrella. And that's um, for regulatory purposes to be able to trade crypto. So what we want to be is, you know, the adults in the room to bring all of the digital ecosystem from trading to custody to um, secured lending to derivatives um, to the institutional space with with a partner that you know they might not have or might not be used to dealing with um, where most of our competitors are crypto natives okay so you you've obviously come from what what I call the traditional side or tradfi I'm interested in the perspective of your sort of peer group and your cust clients that are traditional banks, asset managers, pension for managers, whatever, how sceptical or how, how, how embraceive are they, would you say, of, of these digital, digital assets, in particular the crypto side of things then? I think we'd be remiss not to at least acknowledge the, the price drop over the last few months and some of the, the blow-offs with Terra Luna and a lot of these bankruptcies 
haven't caused a slight pause for investors. But if you look across hedge funds, a lot of them are already involved in the space, looking at arbitrage trades, looking at strategies that mimic what they do in equities, um, where they can value tokens on a on a cash flow basis or um, on a long short basis. And we're, we're seeing a lot of spin outs from the traditional hedge funds of, of people either sp- starting pockets or starting their own funds to to trade the tokens. The traditional asset managers with you know hundreds of billions or trillions of dollars have all formed working groups and are at various stages of exploring allocating to digital. And I don't think that the recent price moves have stopped that. Um, you know, we've been at conferences from Bitcoin in Miami to permissionless and all of these endowments, pensions, asset managers, they all have representation at these conferences and they're, they're really doing their due diligence. Um, so I would say, you know, later this year, early next year, we're going to see some large allocations. Um, I know you saw the BlackRock news that they're getting into the space. Yep. And we're really starting to see some of the crypto native funds also gain some institutional credibility. Okay, Drew, so you're seeing um, a number of sort of traditional players the beginning to sort of, as you say, they're doing tests or they're looking at how to get involved in the sort of digital space. Um, we've seen a bit of a pullback. And as you say in your article, sort of talking about a crypto winter, but it hasn't necessarily put people off. And you think that we're going to see interest growing as we see greater allocation to cryptocurrencies over the next sort of uh, couple of years then? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we'd be remiss not to at least acknowledge the price action um, over the last six months with the sell-off. And that certainly has slowed the process for some. But we're seeing lots of hedge funds already in the space getting more active. Um, There are strategies on the market neutral and quantitative side that have been performing very well. And we're seeing spin-outs from hedge funds um, to either starting their own crypto native funds or starting desks within their hedge funds. On the asset allocator side, all of these firms from endowments to pensions to traditional asset managers have formed working groups and I would say are three to 12 months on their process from beginning their allocations into the space at the conferences from Bitcoin Miami to permissionless. All of the endowments and pensions are represented and they're all learning about the space and doing what, what we think is, is proper due diligence um, that this crypto winter has allowed people to do and, and really has allowed companies like Cowan Digital to thrive as we're implementing the highest level of credit checks and compliance into the space. Okay, so perversely, the pullback in prices in some of these cryptos has enabled people almost to take stock. They're not sort of frantically saying, oh, God, it's gone up 10 percent. I must do must. They're saying, hang on, let's look at this as an asset class. Nothing ever goes up forever. We all know that. And they're taking a a look at it and saying, "Okay, well, how do we best get in? Do we do we buy a crypto or do we buy a fund or do we buy a derivative? So there seems to be some more serious attention being paid to the sector from what you're saying. Absolutely. I mean, I think some of these tokens got caught up in the the meme frenzy and the, the the fact that people were buying a lot of retail stocks during the quarantine. And this pullback has allowed people to approach the approach the space not from a an area of FOMO or not wanting to miss out or or fearing fearing of missing multiple hundred percent rallies, but really from looking at the infrastructure, at the picks and shovels, at the underlying fundamentals, and building out a long-term strategy where they can implement trading and access and custody that's secure, um, that their investors will will be happy about for years to come. So I would say in, in the coming months, you know, you've seen the BlackRock news, you're, go- you're going to see the institutions come into the space in a larger way. And I think that's the sign of a maturing industry. Well, and, and going back to one of your previous employers, JP Morgan, you know, they, they announced that, um, well, to use their words, they want to put trillions into the DeFi sector by digitizing mutual funds. So that's quite a turnout for the books, isn't it? 
Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting. You, you've seen, you know, a lot of uh, two-way chatter from the likes of, you know, Jamie Dimon and, and other CEOs, either positive or, or negative towards Bitcoin and the space as a whole. But, you know, blockchain is here to stay. I think a lot of the solutions of DeFi and NFTs and blockchain in general are, are very elegant. Um, you know, they're elegant in the same way that Web2 and Google and Amazon and Facebook were elegant solutions to the problems of, you know, dial-up modems and AOL um, back in the early 2000s. So the user experiences will continue to get better. The use cases for blockchain will continue to increase, and that should increase interest in investing in these tokens and, and different aspects of the space. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right there, Drew, in the sense that not everyone will necessarily get into crypto, but I think there's a growing trend for people to use the technology behind, you know, cryptos and, you know, things that power Bitcoin, I blockchain technology. And you mentioned earlier there about NFTs, um, and that's another another way that there seems to be growing interest. Um, and I, I like your expression, NFTs moving beyond PFPs, um, profile pictures, which I thought was was a, a good expression because we've seen a lot of interest in things like um, the the board eight yacht club and, and, and the like, haven't we? Which has attracted a lot of money. I think the use cases of NFTs go well beyond the art world, and and that's a really good art and music is a good starting point. But even if you look at you mentioned the board apes, think about being a board ape holder versus um, owning some other piece of art that that's worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. As a board ape holder, you're you're a member of a, an exclusive club where you get to be in chat rooms and exclusive events with Eminem and Jimmy Fallon and Justin Bieber. And you get a verifiable digital asset that you can you can put as your profile picture on Instagram. And, and they're, they're working on ways to actually verify this. If for the younger generation, it's essentially a flex. It's like owning a Ferrari. But on yeah. top of that, if you owned a board ape, you, you were dropped a mutant ape. Um, those are worth tens of thousands of dollars. Um, you also got dropped board ape coins, which at a period of time are worth over $100,000. And that gives you voting rights and, and power into the community of the board apes. Um, but beyond that, there are, there are many use cases from concert tickets to consumer goods to the deeds on your house and your will not needing to be stored for thousands of dollars in some warehouse or some filing cabinet somewhere, but to be verified and accessible on the blockchain. You know, I think there are tons and tons of use cases there. I think there's a real use case to digitize funds and to have fractionalized ownership being traded in funds like JP Morgan, where instead of taking weeks or months to have loan agreements and, and fund documents in place, it can all be verified on the blockchain. Yeah. And, and you can get almost real-time settlement as opposed to waiting several days um, you know, to get your money. But, but going back to the NFTs, you know, a few names from you know, your side of the pond, you've know, you, you got people like NFL, Nike, Coach, Wrangler Jeans, um, Nivea. All of them are actually using, um, you know, even Bud Light got in on the action with a Bud Light Next um, releasing 12,000 NFTs. So all of these are global brands getting involved in NFTs, um, which is quite, kind of funny because you're seeing global brands coming into the Big Apple and saying, OK, well, this is a potentially new asset class for people to get their heads around, which be interesting to see how they perform as we see the trend of growing interest rates. Um, against the inflation backdrop, because higher interest rates is bad news for bondholders, normally not great for equity holders. So it'd be interesting to see how some of these other cryptos and NFTs perform over the next few months. I think, you know, going back to NFTs, there there certainly are real world use cases. I think the adoption is only increasing and it's an amazing way for brands and teams to connect with their fans and to really understand their fan base and, and do things like, 
giveaways and concert tickets and um, have exclusive memberships to events. Um, all of this can be done through blockchain technology. You know, you you mentioned inflation. I think I think another area where we're seeing continued adoption of of crypto is the fact that it's becoming correlated to other asset classes. You know, we haven't we haven't fully seen Bitcoin or Ethereum be the be the perfect inflation hedge. Um, although I think there are arguments to be made um, that that should be the case. But once once these asset classes become correlated to interest rates and equities. They garner the interest of the macro community, and that just leads to more people talking about it, yeah. more credible research on more adoption. Brilliant, brilliant. James, um, you, you've obviously had no problem today understanding Drew because he he speaks your mother tongue. Have you got any any thoughts or conclusions? I bet you Drew went to the very same deli. I want to say <laughs> it was on VC Street where the guy was accepting Bitcoin for the bacon, egg, and cheese sandwiches. This is like 2010. <laughs> I remember paying like one Bitcoin for a bacon, egg, cheese, and a coffee. And uh, it was VC Street. That's, that's an expensive uh, egg sandwich. <laughs> Not in 2010. <laughs> I, I want to believe it was like $1.89 or something like that. I mean, it's wow. really old school, but that's where I worked. I think you probably crossed paths with me somewhere around Nassau Street. Right. I definitely know Vessi. I live there and I might be dating myself, but I graduated in, in 2004. So that was uh, that was pre Bitcoin. I barely I barely had a cell phone as a freshman, um, <laughs> but I, I do know the deli you're talking about. <laughs> See that small world after all. No, I, I am big on the uh, you know, what really caught my attention was the uh, you guys didn't really bring up like the soul bound idea. I'm a bit advocate of uh that soul bound where maybe we, we stop transfers and for governance and all, you know, all of these things, but you're on point with NFTs, the future with, you know, we talk about cars all the time and titles and insurance and registration. So I'm glad to see that, that people like you are, are taking our experience in a professional world and, and applying these real world situations. It's yeah, good. absolutely. Absolutely. I got to do a shameless plug. Yeah. Go for it. You know, we're we're trying to make the workflow easier. It is it is complicated to trade crypto as it you know atomic instantaneous settlement. If you trade into the wrong wallet, you know you, your your coins are gone. So we're trying to bring a trusted counterparty and, and workflows that are similar to equities with with things like post trade settlement, um, flexible funding, um, tr trading with a without needing to pre fund the trades like like you have to on a lot of these exchanges. And I think in the next three to five years, you'll see. You'll see user experiences like video games and metaverse companies and, and NFTs where you're not going to be worried about what the underlying technology is, whether it's Ethereum or Avalanche or Solana, but the user experience is going to be seamless and people will use it. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Totally agree. Drew, thank you very much for coming on the show today. And James, thanks for getting everything organized. And we'll be back next week with another edition of Digital Bytes. In the meanwhile, uh, Drew, before we go... Um, if people want to get hold of um, yourself, I know you're on LinkedIn, but perhaps you can just give the listeners um, your email address. And then if you've got any queries or want a copy of the article, um, you can get it over to them or we're, we're certainly able to do that for you. But if you can just give us the best way to get hold of yourself. You can find us on the Cowan website. I'm on LinkedIn. Cowan Digital's on LinkedIn. So we'd love to hear from everybody and connect. Um, we do a lot of events in the city and across the country. So thanks for the time. Really appreciate coming on your show. It was uh, quite fun. That's good. Good. Good to have you. That's Cowan uh, Digital and Drew Foreman. And James and I will be back on the airwaves next week um, with another edition of Digital Bytes. Thank you very much indeed for listening in.